Welcome to Humane Voices, the official podcast of the Humane Society of the United States. I'm here with Carrie to talk about keeping your pets safe during these hot summer months, both at home and when we travel. Carrie, uh, there have been long stretches of days, at least in the greater Washington area, where I'm at, where you're at, uh, where it's been over 90 degrees. How how has a uh, floof been holding up? How have your pets been holding up? Uh, you know they're okay. Uh, Floof is a Floof is a hairy little man, and so um, he has to adjust to the to the extreme heat. I mean, and, and what we're dealing with on the east coast is probably nothing compared to what they're dealing with out west, where you know you have whole whole situations. And I think it was outside Seattle where I read that uh, a whole bunch of mussels cooked in their shells because it was so hot in the water. Absolutely insane. And it's it's just like with the stuff going on with climate, the stuff around heat yeah. and fires and everything is just seems like it's going to be getting worse so on that cheerful note (laughs) (laughs) yeah to figure out how to navigate all these uh uh, really positive news stories with the warm weather we're chatting with Lindsay hamrick director of shelter outreach and engagement at the humane society of the united states Lindsay, welcome back thanks for sitting down to chat with us we're glad to uh to have you on the show Thanks for having me. Excited to talk about how to save the mussels in the water and others. It's a new campaign, Lindsay. <laughs> I think yeah, we should right? specify that, Lindsay, you know, you have you have a particular um, expertise in this matter because you, unlike sensible people, still go outdoors. <laughs> <laughs> I do, Most of us I, are just like, nope. <laughs> and I even enjoy the company of dogs when I go outside. There we go. Yeah. Hey, exactly. Well, Lindsay, so like we were saying a little bit earlier, heat wave has definitely been a frequent topic in the news. We thought it would be good to discuss some uh, some tips of taking care of your pet in this heat and also take a moment to talk about, you know, if you're taking a summer road trip with your pet, what to look out for and prepare for before you take the trip. But um, at least to start off, I think the biggest thing right now that's a topic in the news, I can't believe people still do it, even with air conditioning on, is leaving pets in the car. Um, why is this dangerous? So as I think many people know, you might think that cracking the windows in your car will give enough airflow for your dog or cat while you're running in to do some errands, or you think you're really only going to spend like 30 seconds in Target. But honestly, if you're going into Target, let's face it, you're probably spending two hours buying things that you don't need. So yeah. uh, no offense always, to Target. <laughs> no offense to Target. Target. No offense. This is why we spend two hours in there. We're very good at this. So I think, you know, if you're just running errands near your house and your animals don't need to come with you, like that's a great option to leave your pets at home if you're at all worried. Um, But if you're planning a long trip with your dog or cat and you're traveling alone, there will probably be times along the way that they need to be in the car. So I think planning ahead, getting a sense of um, where you're going to be able to stop that's safe, making sure that your pet has some water in the car while you run in to go to the bathroom on your road trip, um, or even asking a stranger. I know that this is scary, especially for introverts like me, but asking somebody to help you, like just keep an eye on the animal, or if you have a dog, like can they hold the leash while you're running in to get something? Um, I think there could be a lot more public support of one another when we have to travel with our pets and we don't have somebody to help with that process. I think one of the things that um, I think a lot of folks still don't understand, or you know, you know, like I, I always wonder because Austin, like you said, it, it's shocking to me that after the sort of the amount of kind of footage that there has been around, don't keep your pet in a in a car while you're parked during the summer, that this stuff still happens. But I do think that there is just sort of a fundamental misunderstanding sometimes about how hot a car can get. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
you know, like there was a guy a couple of years ago, um, and I would love to go back and Google this, get it, get on the Google machine and find the actual details. But there was a, a guy who actually did this himself where he put himself in his own hot car just to experience what it was like um, to be in a car as it was heating. And the, the amount of heat that just gets trapped inside a car, regardless of whether the windows are open on a, you know, on what seems to be a relatively seasonal day, you know, like in the sort of mid seventies, it can get over a hundred very fast, you know, basically you're, you're sort of starting to cook your pet. And dogs and cats really struggle to regulate their temperature, right? Like dogs pant in order to process some of that. Um, they sweat out of their paws. And so if they're in a car or in a crate and you've got a bunch of blankets in the crate and they're not able mm -hmm. to really move that along, that can be really tricky. Um, and I also, you know, I want to point out that sometimes there might be a behavioral reason why the animal is with the person. So I used to have a dog who had separation anxiety. And so if I wanted to go to work like a normal human being and then come home and then I had to go back out again, it's like a no-no in a household mm. with a dog with separation anxiety to leave twice in one day. Mm -hmm. So I would regularly bring him along with me, but I think if you're if you're in a situation like that, technology has really advanced in this area. So I have friends who have like these crazy setups in their car where they have fans that generate some cooling air that will not go off if your car goes off. Mm. Um, so I think that the tech space is trying to fill in some of the gaps here and really look at products that might help with this. Yeah, that's yeah. great. I mean, I guess there's so, there's some cars now that you can sort of keep keep running even when you're out of them too. But I mean, every now and then you you hear about awful things even related to that, where you know if the pet is loose in the car, they accidentally hit the handbrake or something like that. So generally, probably best to leave them at home when possible. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. I've I've always been curious. This might be getting a little bit too much into the weeds, but. I always thought like East Coast versus West Coast, uh, dry heat versus humid heat. Does humidity factor at all into how this heat is going to affect your pet? Like you talked a little like bit about self regulating. Like the Tupac Biggie of, of heat, <laughs> the East Coast West Coast beef. Yeah, let's let's yeah. do that. That sounds cooler. Yeah. I mean, as a New Englander, I'm constantly drenched in sweat because yeah. the humidity on the East Coast is just ridiculous. So. I would say anecdotally that it feels worse here, um, but you know, 120 degree dry heat, whatever mm. that means, is also you know it's still going to create a greenhouse effect in your car, um, even if you crack the windows. So um, whenever possible, leave your pets at home, and if you're planning a big road trip, that's awesome. Um, but just be mindful of the amount of time that your pet may need to spend in the car on your way. Yeah. So Lindsay, you travel a lot with your, with your pets, right? I mean, you do like hiking and, and a lot of outdoor activities. So it, what, what are the things that you kind of do to prepare during the summer? I mean, when you think it's appropriate for the, for the animals to come with you? Yeah. So I have learned uh, some tips and tricks over the years about eight years ago or so I did a nine month road trip with my dog and we lived in a tiny 60 foot truck camper, uh, I would not recommend living in 60 square feet with your ex-partner ex and your dog for nine months. Um, so we were basically doing like a tour of national parks and national parks are amazing and tons and tons of people this summer are headed there. Um, but most national parks do not allow dogs on mm. trails and there's good reasons for that. Um, so you really have to be mindful and plan ahead if you're going to, um, whether it's a city or a national park with your animal, 
to think about, do you need to get somebody to watch your dog, go into dog boarding while you're hiking for the day or visiting? Um, one of the things that I did was we would make sure that we ended up at an RV site that had a plug-in so that you can leave the air conditioning on during mm. the day. But to your point, Carrie, about how things can go wrong, um, I would always ask our RV neighbors if they would keep an eye on our dog when we were out. I gave them the keys mm. to the RV so they could let her out and make sure the air conditioning was still working, refill her water bowl. Um, and by and large, especially if you're on a road trip and you're traveling, people are just so, I mean, most people really want to watch your dog. Like they mm. wish they could just take your dog. And so they're don't probably be missing their to, own dogs. Yes. So mm. don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, and, you know, keep your visits when you're leaving your animal as short as possible, unless you've got somebody watching them the entire time. And probably be judicious about who you're giving the keys to. Like if you see a dude in a panel van with I am a hey, serial man. killer spray, like don't give the keys to that guy. Like that's not the guy who looks after the pets, right? I mean, he might Fewer be great choice. Dogs. Right, yeah, good point, right. If you're not a people person, maybe you're a dog person. It's totally, right. yeah, okay, That's all right. right. And I'm actually going on a road trip next week with my chihuahua, Grandma Baguette. And so I've been thinking about, I got to drive like 14 hours by myself. So I've been thinking about like, where are we going to stop? And some rest stops now have those, I have mixed feelings about this because I have control issues, but they have those little pods you can shove your dog into and it stays oh, right. cool while you run into the rest stop and then you unlock the thing and take your dog back out. I feel, I haven't used them yet, but I'll let you know if that becomes a tool in my toolbox. Yeah, I'd love to hear about that because seriously, I think my control issues would kick in there too because I would be like, that thing is gonna break them. As soon as I put floof into that thing, that's when it's gonna break down. That's <laughs> can you imagine what I would your be dog thinking the entire, ins- yeah. Like inside of this glass bubble at a rest stop, like what? Yeah, I'm yeah. not for this. Yeah, floof would have some words with me, I think, you know. Oh yeah. For sure. There would be a grudge for hours after that trip. Um, So Lindsay, I'm curious, what were things that you prepped prior to your trip? Was there anything that you you thought of in terms of your dog, uh, like records or any other things that you prepared to bring prior to the trip starting? Yes. So whenever you're traveling with your dog or cat, make sure that you have any vaccine records with you that can just be right on your phone. If, if necessary, you don't necessarily have to dig out all the paperwork. Um, and honestly, we're all kind of getting in the habit of this because we got to carry our own vaccine cards now. So just add your dog or cat's rabies vaccine to that. Um, and that way, if you find yourself in a situation when you're traveling that you do need to board them, maybe something came up unexpected, mm. then you've already got all the paperwork that you yeah. need to be able to, to drop them off. Or if you know, by chance an emergency happens and you need to bring your animal to a vet clinic, they can very quickly see where your animal is at medically. Um, maybe it's a holiday weekend. They're not going to be able to reach your, your regular veterinarian to get that information. So having records is really helpful. Um, and then also make sure that your dog or cat has a collar and a tag on just in mm-hmm. case they get lost. Um, microchipping, as I think we've talked about before, is really um, the most foolproof way, as long as the information that you've connected to that microchip is up to date. And just a heads up, microchips don't track your pets. They just allow for permanent Mm -hmm. identification if your pet ends up lost and goes into a shelter or vet clinic to get scanned. 
Yeah, when um, we when we've traveled in the past, we've frequently left our dogs with my parents. And one of the things that I try to do when we're going away, especially if we're going somewhere where we can't be back within an hour or two, is we we actually transition the dogs to a collar that lists my parents' contact information first, and then my contact information second, because it's like they can call me in Mexico, but maybe I'm not going to be able to fly home immediately. One of the things I'm I, I'm thinking travel wise, my dog, unfortunately, with with new places, she's very, very anxious um, and almost always has an accident or, or stuff like that. And so just kind of manage, I don't know if that's the same kind of experience with, with you both. I don't know if you have anxious pets, but that's something when traveling almost always happens. We have a budget mm. where like, we have to get like a cleaning fee budget oh, <laughs> built in, thing. you know? Yeah. I don't know. Our, our I mean, older I don't... dog has gotten to the point where she has, has accidents all the time. So it's probably just not a travel thing, so. Sorry, no. Lindsay, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's okay. I have a chihuahua, so this is my life. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> some tips, depending on the size of your dog, some tips are I bring like a big crate that would fit a 70 pound dog for oh. her as like a little house. So if I'm at an Airbnb and I'm trying not to destroy everything, she just stays in there. But I also, yeah, yeah. Um, there's washable pee pads out there. So mm-hmm. you can cover a surface and be able to wash, or you can use the um, disposable kind if you don't care about the environment. Um, so just ways to kind of contain your pet when you're traveling. I am going to see family next week. They probably would not like her to pee all over their house. Um, so family, I, you know, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Like They've got years, their little like, peccadillos. What the little pee? But she also has diapers, so I don't make her wear them in my house because we have a system, but when we're traveling, she wears diapers. Oh, what a sweetie. Great tips. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lindsay. Yeah, I had, I, these are things that I can use for our little chihuahua. How easy so. was it to Good train thing. her on the diapers thing? Because I've been thinking about that with our, with our beagle, because I was, you know, it's like she's, she's getting to the point where she's, you know, like she, we've had her tested for Cushing. She doesn't have Cushing's, but she is just a constant font of urine right now. It's really delightful. <laughs> Sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, How poetic. So I wouldn't say that uh, Grandma Bega enjoys a diaper, um, <laughs> but you can, just like with anything else, you're getting your pet adjusted to use lots of positive reinforcement. They get treats mm. when the diaper goes on. Mm. And the, the sort of nice thing about diapers, other than keeping your space clean, is that it naturally tells your pet if they can hold it to hold it because they don't like the feeling mm. mm-hmm. of peeing in the diaper. And so if it's more behaviorally focused, it might send a signal to them to like wait just a little bit longer for you to get home to let them out. Hmm, interesting. If it's medical and they just can't mm. hold it, that's okay. And you know, yeah. What what ends up happening? Uh, again, another issue that I think comes up with a lot of people is um, pets in your lap when you're driving. Um, what... Yes, which is incredibly cute, and yet, yeah, <laughs> right. Very dangerous. But yeah, I, I don't know the kind of the issue of, of how to remedy that because it just, you know, they they pop up and you're there and you're driving, but it is very dangerous. So. All right. I'll be honest here. And I have just transitioned <laughs> out of this life because I know that as, you know, an expert, I'm supposed to like do things that we recommend. So for the <laughs> longest time, I let my animals kind of be loose in the car, although I did have a barrier between the backseat mm-hmm. and the front seat. I've just gotten a new car and mostly out of vanity that I don't want the whole car covered in dog hair, I've decided to be safe. So now I have a soft crate for the big dogs and I have a tiny crate for the Chihuahua. And if you have a crate in the front seat, like you have a small dog, you can always put the seatbelt through the handle to make sure Mm -hmm. that it stays in place if something were to happen. 
they now make very fancy uh, crash certified crates that you could buy if you're really traveling with your dog a lot and you want to make sure they're safe in an accident. Um, but even the normal crates, like the soft crates, have little hoops that you can put um, like bungee cords through other ways to really secure the crate in the back of the, the car. So, um, you know, obviously we don't want the worst thing to happen, but I have seen stories of an accident happens. Usually the dog gets loose. And so then you're like the first responders are trying to deal with the people that were involved. And then like for weeks later, you're trying to find this dog that escaped. So, um, I am transitioning to a safer travel experience for my pets. It's tough because I, I mean, I frankly, you know, whenever I'm driving and I see someone with their dog's head sort of sticking out of the car, I'm, I'm torn between thinking that is the most adorable thing in the entire universe. And I'm going to pull alongside and talk to that dog because he's so awesome. And then I'm like, no, probably I should pull alongside and give this person a lecture, but I, 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 I don't do that either. And so I just keep it, keep it inside in a giant ball of anxiety. It's really healthy. Push it yes, down. And, yes, and I exactly. had an experience myself where my golden was a little nervous about like things crashing mm. and the barrier between the backseat and the front seat was one of those metal ones. It wasn't really mm. set mm-hmm. and it tipped. I was sitting at a stoplight and it tipped over and she jumped. I thought the window was not as down as it was. She jumped out the window at the oh, intersection. God. And oh, so God. I'm then that crazy person like right. And then everybody got out of their cars and helped me get her back. So I was like, oh, like maybe I shouldn't put the windows down that far. And so- <sighs> Also, but also maybe people are awesome sometimes. That's great. Yes. I mean, yeah. hooray, you were surrounded by nice people at a mo- moment of total crisis, which is always nice when that happens. Because sometimes that's I mean, she not was, what happens. She was a golden retriever. So I think most people were trying to steal her. But <laughs> it's also really yeah. Nice. yeah, yeah, um, I, The The other nightmare fuel that I always think about is, you know, again, my anxious dog, whenever she's afraid, she like goes down in the back seat. She mm. like kind of like burrows in. And I'm just so afraid that if you're driving, you know, goes down in the front seat while you're driving of the gas pedal or brake pedal. And that's just yep. freaks me out. Totally. Yes, yes um, it's great. Oh, oh, but this is good. We can all sort of get our anxieties yeah, out in one Yeah, this pod. feels really this great. Really excellent. Actually. I feel really freed about it. So <laughs> Lindsay, one of the things I was wondering about, especially with all the heat, are there things that you do? I mean, one of the things I worry about with my dogs when I'm walking them is um, their paws on like hot, hot tar or whatever. Are there things that people should be avoiding in terms of, like if it's, is there a certain t- like temp or whatever where you should really be thinking about, hey, I don't want to walk my dog on pavement and should be looking for other spaces that are better on their feet or are there other other considerations there? Yeah, I mean, I think anytime you're not sure, put your hand on the pavement because that'll mm-hmm. give you a sense of what the temperature is. We don't notice it because we wear shoes. Yeah. Um, anytime in the hotter months that you can take your dog out early in the morning or later in the evening, change the time of the, the walk if you can. And then let your dog decide too. Like if your Mm. dog's giving you side eye and they're like, why am I standing on a hundred degree pavement right now? Like listen to them. I think, um, we sometimes get caught up in our routines Mm. and our desire to take our dogs out. Like we're so worried about getting them enough exercise that we just kind of go on autopilot. And so Mm. just take a, a note from your dog. And especially if you have a senior dog, um, smushy faced dogs, like they really long haired dogs, like they really, can't tolerate heat in the way that some of the other breeds or types Mm. of dogs can tolerate. Um, And then the last tip I would give is like, if it's really hot, don't go for a walk, do stuff inside the house that works their brain. 
like tricks and training and a brain toy that you stuff some food in and that's how they get their enrichment for the day. Jazzercise, so like do a little jazzercise. co-jazzercise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Perfect. Yeah. It's a really good point. I don't think people think about how many activities you could do inside the house with your dog. And I just get so furious when it's like 95 and people are jogging with their dog with a fur coat. Mm. It just, that's so weird to me why, why they would do that. But um, yeah, are there, not to get in depth, but are there like warning sign red flags that your dog might be overheating when you're outside if you know it ever comes to that? Yeah, I mean, obviously dogs pant when they start to get hot. It can also be a stress response. So even if it's not hot out and your dog starts panting, it's usually an anxious thing. Um, so panting can be normal, but if they're really getting into like, their tongue is really hanging out, um, the color of their gums, like if it's getting either really pale or really red, then that's a sign that like the blood is flowing way too fast or not enough. Mm. Um, and some dogs will just stop, like they'll just stop walking, they'll lay down on the grass, like they'll try to hide under a tree. Any of those behaviors should be indications that, you know, the walk should be done and you should head back. Um, for the niche like hiker people. I carry what's called a pack a paw with me when I hike, which is a way to carry a dog on your back if mm. you need it to. So if you're doing a longer hike and you're not sure of your medium or large size dog, um, the Chihuahua doesn't matter. I just shove her in my backpack when she doesn't <laughs> want to walk. And not like break your back, taking them down a mountain. So I carry that not necessarily for my dogs, but in case there's yeah. a dog in need on the mountain. I saw somebody uh, have have it had dog that just decided last last weekend when I was in Philly, um, and it wasn't even it wasn't even that hot this day. But we encountered a dog out on the sidewalks in Philly who had just decided the walk was over and just lay out rug style and <laughs> was not going to be persuaded to go anywhere else and was just giving such a stink eye to its people. It was so it was so it was so great. I was like that dog is my spirit animal. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just do that after a meeting? Just like no more. Right. Nope. No boss. I'm out. That's it. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Lindsay, these are really, really good tips, really good signs. Um, I I think it's going to make for, uh, you know, great conversation episode, very timely for this time here. Any other tips that, you know, we haven't talked about or discussed or that are on the top of mind for you? I think the only other thing we've talked a lot about pets, but leave some water out for wildlife. Like this is a rough time for them. Um, so if you have a bird bath, uh, some way to give them some water as well is really, really a nice gesture right now. Um, avoid bird feeders. We don't want to be putting food out um, because the bears are looking, but water is, is usually a safe thing to put out. And do you have any tips that you should we should be sharing with cat owners aside from the fact that, you know, probably if you try to get a cat to go outdoors or, or take it with you, the cat will tell you what it thinks about that um <laughs> i mean the genre of adventure cats is growing so that's I true think that's yeah. a good point i think we will see more and more cats that are living the life and uh hopefully owners will know that those are the cats that are super confident they really like all the stimulation mm-hmm. um so same thing like you can take your cat out on a walk maybe keep it shorter go early in the morning mm-hmm. late at night And if you're lucky enough to have a catio or you're thinking about building a catio, which is an outdoor space for a cat to just kind of safely enjoy the outdoors without being kind of free roaming, which of course we 
want to prevent having cats outside as much as possible when they're not supervised because of all the, the dangers to wildlife and to them. Uh, so there's ways to give cats like the same enrichment without, um, you know, exposing them to too much heat or too much cold. Do cats have the same sort of signs of being overheated as dogs do? I mean, do they pant or they display heat fatigue in other ways? They do pant mm -hmm. and a lot of owners will, um, you'll experience like on the way to the vet's clinic because, because we usually only put cats in carriers to go to the vet. They learn very quickly that that's why they're in the carrier. So one behavior tip is don't just put your cat in the carrier for terrible things. Mm. Um, and you, some cats will open mouth pant, which is both a stress response, but if it's really hot could also be associated with that. I'm glad you mentioned catios. I think we should we should probably mention that there's um, I think a substantial amount of guidance on catios on our website that people can find and learn to either build their own or there are whole companies now that are specializing in building really magnifique, beautiful Taj Mahal type catios if you really want to spoil your cat during the pandemic. That's the uh, stimulus check that'll go to. Uh, That's exactly the, the right. Exactly, yeah. it's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, um, all right. Well, this was uh, this was a really great uh, conversation. Again, thank you so much, Lindsay, for hopping on a call and talking to us about uh, uh, how to keep your pets safe when the temperatures are starting to soar. So thank you. Have fun, everyone. Be safe. Yep. Safe and happy travels, everyone. Happy summer. Bye. See you next time on Humane Voices. Mm -hmm.